Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. It's time for the podcaster. I see you there having trouble getting to sleep, and I'm here to try to help. Uh, Set for sleep with me, the podcast that puts you to sleep, patrons, and you keep it going. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest of what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature, situation, schedule. So, think, you know, thoughts that are coming up for you, things you're feeling physically or experiencing emotionally, whatever it is, I'm here to take your mind off. I got this safe place. I'm moving my hand now. And I think a clockwise motion, now a counterclockwise motion, smoothing, now a right and like a side to side motion, smoothing, padding, and rubbing down that safe place that I've set aside for you. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my voice, once you get comfortable, uh, well, I'll already do it, but, but you could pause it and get comfortable or go ahead and get comfortable while I talk, either way. But I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, uh, go off topic. I'm going to get mixed up. Uh, totally, you know, totally, I'm one of those people I totally get mixed up on purpose. Uh, use filler words. Oh, boy. those You see, how do you plan your filler words out, Scooter? Well, uh, it's interesting. You know, uh, what I do is I fill a wagon up uh, with filler words. And it, where, for real? Well, no, actually both. Believe it or not, I do both in my brain. I find that if I tactilely do it in person, uh, then in my brain. Uh, but, you know, I got to, well, I might as well finish this metaphor out, huh? Well, what, well, I was going to try to explain to the new listeners some things, but, uh, yeah, no, so I take a wagon. Of course it's a red wagon. You know what? It's, of course not. It's a purple sparkly wagon that was once red. But then I said I always wanted something purple and sparkly. Yeah, with that glossy sparkle paint you'd see in a car in, like, the, that second fast, fast and... Furious uh, movie. I think that was the one. It was the one that, that but, but it, like, uh, to have a car, you know what I mean? Like those sparkles. Uh, glitter. No, it's not glitter. It, I guess it's a bit glittery. It glitters, uh, but it's not glitter. Uh, but that, that's what my wagon looks like. But it's also full of filler words. Uh, so, no, oh, no, no, yeah, f- more than one, yeah, oh, more than one um and on that wagon. And then what I do is once I get it really full, full to overflowing, but at least initially, and I don't know if this is Sisyphean or just, um, you know, I call it my daily routine is what I call it. You know, Sisyphus, if, if I'm anything like Sisyphus, which the odds are like, uh, you know, 100%, 
you know, with Sisyphus' day begins or the the dude with the rock, uh, go long or whatever, you know, they, I don't think that when they get to work, they have any idea. Uh, I mean, maybe part of their brain does because that's supposed to be like part of their thing of the bad place or whatever. But really, they, they say, hmm, can you? Gonna get it. We're gonna get in water. I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna have myself a. Oh, this water's uh, this you know, they, they just think they're going, they're it's a regular day and it doesn't really dawn on them. Or I guess me, you're right, I'm talking about you, but I'm really talking about me, Sisyphus. Oh, it's Sisyphus, it's not Sisyphus. Okay, excuse me. I'm just, you know, believe me or not, I was trying to make a metaphor about a wagon full of filler words before I realized, uh, you know, how similar our lives are. Oh, you're not uh, like, uh, well, you're post, you were once you were. I, I assume you got yourself in that situation because, uh, oh, well, maybe I, maybe there are life lessons to be learned here. I didn't even, I had no idea. What would you, if you could return to Earth, would you change your name to Zizivus? Why would you? Just, I think it's catchy. What about Sisyphus Z Zizivus? Like, you could be, I think it would be good if you were a civics teacher, too. Yeah, like civics, or you could have a podcast. Yeah, civics, which is, it would be hard to say, but I'm I'm sure you'd be up for it. No, I'm just here, you believe or not, like, well, here's the thing, Sisyphus. Sisyphus, you're right. Uh, I'm I'm here on a stealth mission. I just realized it to take your mind off stuff. And the rock person, go along. I know that's not your name. It's a bit... I don't really know what Go Along's name is. Also, I, no offense, like uh, if you're rolling a rock up and down, I'd think about changing my name to Go Along. Well, no, no, not Go Along. Go Along. I don't know how many syllables. I think you put an extra syllable in there. Go Along's two syllables. Go Along is kind of like 2.25 syllables. Sisyphus, I don't need to be told that there's no such thing as 0.25 syllables. See, did you see, did you see what I did there? Anyway, what I was telling everybody, well, now that I have the two of you here listening and I'm taking your minds off of stuff, uh, I'm feeling pretty confident. I was I'm trying to make a metaphor about the podcast, which is usually structurally with the podcast, what to expect if you, if you two ever come to my world and uh, teach civics and roll. You could be a professional rock roller. Go along. I like saying go long. It really, uh, it makes my chest feel strong and full. Go, go ahead and say it, go long. I know sometimes I accidentally say it and it sounds like go long, but it's go long. Like, just like you were hitting a gong. What's a gong? I think you've been chasing that rock too long. Um, oh, you don't chase it? Well, maybe that's, maybe you should change it up when it rolls back down. Chase it. Okay, but anyway, I was trying to explain with the new podcast listeners. Structurally, the show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep the show free. And then there's an intro where I ramble for about 12 to 15 minutes about nothing, kind of. I mean, pretty close to what we're doing now uh, to take people's mind off stuff, kind of introduce them to the podcast uh, if they're new. But then a regular listener, they kind of decide how they want to listen. Some regular listeners wind down to the intro. A small percentage skip the intro. Other listeners just start playing it before they get in bed. So there's a variety of ways to use it. Uh, you can fall asleep during. T- you're right. You're right. You're right. This is a 
Sisyphus. Okay. Why don't you call yourself a correctivist? Sorry. I just, uh, I know you. Okay. I, I, I was really trying to tell people about my wagon that I full with filler words. Fill with filler words. Thank you, uh, correctivist. That could be your, like when you're correcting papers for your civics class, you could call it, you could go into that role. Then you could, it would be okay to be correctivist. Correctivist, whatever. Okay. I've always had issues with teachers, even when their imaginary characters are from pandemonium or wherever you're located. Oh, you're not in that. Okay. So, uh, so the new listener, if you're listening still, sorry, got a, I've got a little distraction here. Uh, but so the listen, the intro is just a long rambly intro to the podcast, but it's part of the show and it's part of it to help you wind down. Then after the intro will be a little business, then the story, uh, which will be about 40, 45 minutes. Then there'll be some thank yous at the end of the show. Uh, that's the structure show. If you're new, a couple other things to know, you don't need to listen to this podcast. Uh, you can just kind of barely listen if I ever get to the uh, wagon metaphor, it'll maybe it won't make any sense. But I guess it's not that different than watching. Well, I guess if you were watching a kid with a wagon and things were bouncing out of it, you would probably intervene and say, hey, kid, uh, like uh, there's, you're losing your cookies or whatever. You're, you're uh, what are those called? Uh, Funbot 2000, you know, are those mega blocks falling out of there? So let me help you. Or is that for your, you know, lemonade stand? Are you losing all your lemons? I guess in that case, if a kid had a wagon full of lemons and you were in a high lemon area, that might be the only time you wouldn't intervene where you'd say, well, it's okay for the kid to lose a few lemons. That's a life lesson. Life, uh, you know, is trying to make a lemonade out of lemons and also losing, you know, I've lost my lemons a few times. Uh, but so uh, what I was saying is you could kind of, you don't need to listen to the podcast. You can kind of almost passively consume it, uh, if you wish, though, some people listen, you can choose as, as you get to know the show, what, what works for you. But also there's no pressure to fall asleep. The reason the shows are an hour is I'm here to keep you company as you drift off. So you just fall asleep at your leisure. I'm here to, 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 to be your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar cuz, your boar sib, your boar bud. You know, be at your side, chitter chatter in a way, and helping you drift off. So that's uh, structurally what to expect. You don't need to listen to me. And yeah, I'll be like a lot of the content of the show feels a little bit like uh, words falling out of a wagon. And if if I was an adult with a wagon full of words, and you know, an un and ahs were both. I mean, I, I would assume ums and ahs. And us and ers are pretty compostable anyway and are easily swept off the sidewalk by a gentle breeze. So if you saw me going down the streets, also they're only 2D. So once it falls on the pavement, you know, it's not a, they're, they're uh, 2D and they have a lot of traction. So not a, uh, something you have to worry about uh, stepping on or something. You would probably just let me keep going if everything's bouncing out of my wagon. You'd say, there goes Scoots. Uh, too many ums <laughs> too many ums and ahs. So many, uh, I've never seen a wagon full of pregnant pauses, but that may, you know, if you did, you would pause. Uh, I can't even imagine. Uh, the images that are running through my mind are very cute. Uh, 
you'd say, like, that would be interesting if I walked up and down the street with a wagon full of pregnant pauses. Everyone would pause. They'd be like, holy cow, that is the cutest thing I've ever seen. What is in that wagon? Well, it's a wagon full of pregnant pauses. Oh, boy. With one pun sitting on the back of it. Uh, so, a winky, winky, winky poo. But so, um, I don't know what, I, tr- I guess I thought there would be a matter. Let me just check back in with Zizavis and Golong. Oh, they're sleeping. Perfect. You talk about conquering myths. I mean, I don't want to apply for any awards, but uh, at least uh, those two, when they come hang with me after, because also if you two could wake back up, everybody else is asleep, including the people that were keeping an eye on you and the mechanisms. So we could just jump out of here. I got a wagon. Okay, go along. So you two get in the wagon, I'll pull you. Great, I got Zizifus and wagon. Oh, no. Oh, you, you're not, you really are Golong and Zizivis. What about Sisyphus and the other, hmm, everybody in the wagon. So I'm going to pull them out of here. But basically, if you're new to the show, give it a few tries. That's what 99% of reviewers and listeners I hear from say, that it took them a two, two or three tries. Because one, you're skeptical. If you have trouble sleeping, of course you are. Who, who, who declares they're going to be here to put you to sleep? Not me. I'm going to be here while you fall asleep. Or if you can't sleep, I'm going to be here till the very end to keep you company. Uh, but also, it's just a show's a little bit different, so it can take a little bit of adjusting. If you can't sleep, like if you try the podcast a few times or you're finding you definitely don't like it, go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. And you can see some options there. And I think that's it. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I work very hard. Oh, I don't know what's cuter. Is Zizifus and Golong curled up in a wagon together as I pulled them along or a wagon full of pregnant pauses? You'll have to decide that. Uh, but I'm I'm here. I work very hard. I appreciate your time. I yearn and I strive because I want to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of things we do to keep the show going. All right, everybody. This is like a, this may be the first legendary unboxing we've ever done. Uh, and uh, also the first unboxing. We haven't done a lot of unboxings on this show. You don't even know what's in this box exactly. It hasn't been opened yet. Uh, I unwrapped it before I came in the climbing closet or the Harry Potter closet. And I also brainstormed what I was going to call this. It's a, it's a, it's a, now, this, there's two kinds of versions of this. There's AD&D and then there's D&D which stands for drooling and dungahees, uh, despite what other people will tell you. And this is the starter set. So it's just straight up D&D, which is actually like your entry like your entry into this game, uh, drooling and dungahees, uh, which is reversed from like the more pop culture. There's a pop culture game or a game that's a cultural phenomenon for the past like 30, 40 years. Uh, that is uh, a place and then a being. This one is uh, drool- drooling and droolers uh, and dungahees, which I'll talk about how I got the title. But I'm holding the box here. Uh, the box is about the size of a coffee table book and about the thickness of it. So it's not an extremely heavy box. And there's a lot of popular podcasts uh, that are versions of this called actual play shows. Uh, and a lot of amazing people, you know, our, our good friend Justin and his wonderful brothers, 
they have a show. Uh, I don't think the current season, currently, I don't think they're playing D and D, but they're playing. You know, they they have an actual play show, the Adventure Zone. Uh, there's also a lot of other amazing podcasts uh, I've met out there. Uh, there's also the the Broadswords, which is an all women actual play D and D podcast uh, focusing on role play and narrative and diversity at the gaming table. And I had a chance to meet some of the people from the team uh, at PodCon, and they were amazing, amazing people. They also had an amazing booth. Uh, and you can find them at, uh, you could search right in your podcast app or go to uh, thebroadswords.com. So those are just two options for your D&D. This will not be an actual play. This will be just a barely uh, play. I guess I got to do some more. Well, I guess we could go as we go because there's actually, like, this is topical in some sense. I didn't realize it. Now, you say, Scoots, what made you decide? Why do you have this? Oh, thanks for saying, why do I have this in my hot little hand? Because I'd love it if my hand was hot, uh, so hot. Uh, well, it was on sale, $5. And I said, this could be cool. Like, I, was, like, uh, I don't think me and my daughter could just play D&D together. Uh, but, uh, I don't know, like, plus for me, I didn't play a whole lot of D and D because I was the oldest of six kids and I was like a chaotic, chaotic, uh, in general. Yeah. I guess this is going to be a lot of memory road stuff, uh, in addition to unboxing and, and believe it or not, I have a couple books that I've been holding on to that, you know, if this works, we could go through more. So, okay, so let's go back to the box. We'll see what this leads. But hopefully I'll talk about uh, uh, Dragonlance novels and, oh, my cousin who who designed his own. And, and again, I guess I owe him an amends, well, multiple ones anyway, uh, because he had actually designed his own role-playing game uh, based on James Bond. Sorry, sorry, I guess I'll bring it up now. Sorry, John, if you're hearing this uh or a- Abby or Betsy, you could tell John. I, uh, well, just remind me to, to apologize to your brother. But he had designed one one summer, and he was very excited about it. And I t- I'm not the best person. To, if you're enthusiastic about something, I'm working on this. Uh, I guess I've been working on it my whole life uh, thus far with uh, interesting results. And I do wish I had a time machine because I would have been excited now. But he had designed his own uh, James Bond-based uh, or spy-based uh, uh, game based off of D&D and the rules of D&D, or maybe AD&D, which just stands for advanced, uh, which just means more complicated, maybe more math. And uh, he, I remember, I, like these are, sometimes your memories are like so crystal clear. I can remember because we were in Pulaski, New York, and we were sitting at this table where we tended to play games. And I think he tried to get me and my brother, like, he he kept explaining to it because he was very excited. Uh, And he had, like, different vehicles. A lot of people do this, uh, and it takes a lot to design your own game. You know, different character traits and different things. uh, And we may have played it for like, I mean, this is something you have to commit to, like either a campaign, but like it it flourishes best when you're uh, uh, doing it on a regular basis. And so, uh, like, uh, what was my point? My point was, uh, did I have a point? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, 
because he was really excited about it, and I don't think we played it very much. In a, at the time, I mean, just like now, my thinking tends to, to, to detract me from things I would be enthusiastic about. Uh, and I say, well, I got I got other things to to, to I got to think about school. You know, we're on break from school. I got I got to think about school. Sorry. Uh, so uh, I missed out on a gr- great opportunity to play that game. And uh, I guess uh, that was just my point. Uh, but it was cool. Like, so this, these are adaptable and inspirable rules, I think. And eventually I'll talk about some of my other memories of D&D. But so the cover of this game. Now, the reason it's called Droolers and Dungahees, you might say, Scoots, uh, is a lot of the beings in there are drooling. And it's called drooling damage. Like if you have any uh, pet-like animal that is drooling for uh, this one, just happens to be some sort of in the universe. Well, there's like the parallel existence, I think, uh, and then there's the universe. Maybe all wild beings or semi-tame beings uh, have the propensity to drool and spittle and stuff. Uh, and you can get drool damage. Obviously, there's a lot of different ways, like ruining your clothes, slipping, you know, tons of different things. Now, this is also indulging in a fantasy world. So on the cover of this game is a giant turtle that, like, the biggest turtle you could ever imagine. And so cute. So a green turtle, its head is coming out of its shell. And that's dominating it. And it says D&D starter set, age 12 plus. And there's even drool and drool vapor coming out of the turtle's mouth. The turtles, they, I think they call it a maw, not on a turtle usually, but uh, like meaning your, the turtle's mouth is spread wide with a smile. Huge, huge, huge smile. Oh, so huge, the smile of this turtle. And then a character who looks like a knight, uh, Again, this is based in a medieval-style world, you, you know, a bit like a game, GOT, which maybe I'll try to release this episode right around the start of the GOT season. So this is a knight. The knight is wearing both plate mail and chain mail. And then the knight has a shield, which in this world you used to defle- especially giant drool. I mean, we're talking about a creature. This turtle is the size of... Way bigger than a school bus. I'm trying to think of what a, like just a turtle's head is probably the size of a school bus. So it drooling on you. Wait, school buses aren't really a thing anymore in a lot of places. Uh, But a bus, a city bus would be another one. Uh, I mean, this thing is the size of like buildings, uh, like two or three story apartment building. And it's beginning to drool on this knight uh, who has a beard also, something I believe the knight's wearing a cape because something's flowing off the back of the knight. Uh, they look to be in a forest. I don't think it's a forest of feelings. That's where the Care Bears live. This doesn't. Have any, I wonder if anybody ever came up with a Care Bear rolling role playing game. How come, like uh, you know, we gamify everything? Uh, here's just a, just a thought. Just you know, free idea. If you're gonna, you know, until you monetize it and then give me uh, like a. of the money, you know, if you could get the rights to make a Care Bear Bear role-playing game, then base it on actual uh, uh, healthy practices, uh, 
you know, establishing resilience and uh, assertiveness and health, like those kind of things, uh, but but in a subtle way, you know, not on the nose, like, uh, you know, then the, and to feel your forest of feelings, like all those feelings. This could be something I'll work on. Uh, but then it says, uh, uh, droolers and dungies, everything you need to know to start playing the world's greatest role-playing game. And one of these things, uh, this thing's famous for is just the art. Uh, now I don't see a credit for the art on the cover. Now the side of one of the boxes, uh, has, uh, it says starter set and it says droolers and dungies, uh, registered trademark. And then it has uh, two uh, uh, characters. Uh, I guess, uh, like, uh, I'm going to try to go through this game without assuming genders of characters. Uh, but these are two characters. One seems to be a cleric uh, holding a staff uh, and uh, one hand outreached uh, in a kind of robe. Um and so I'm not sure, it could be a magic user. Then behind that character, possibly, like it has, the character is uh, floating in the air with flowing white robes and the hair of the character's float, flowing. Uh, pointy ears, so it could be like a spirit-based being or another spellcaster, but I would assume, and also the moonlight seems to be reflecting off of both characters, uh, and it does look like a cloudy, moonlit sky. I don't see a moon. But that character does seem to be... One finger is like being held in like a okay symbol, but possibly casting a spell. Uh, the two ends of the box, uh, uh, so the short sides of the box, they just say starter set. And then the other side has a... Uh, uh, what I'm guessing is a dwarf uh, in very heavy plate mail, which is a thing, in a giant shield. Looks like it might be looking over at the turtle or something else, uh, holding a hammer. And I know dwarves are known for being very strong, but this is like very heavy plate mail, very heavy helm, uh, meaning made out of some sort of metal. Then uh, the, the, uh, the hammer is very big. And then a very, very big shield. Like, I don't even know what you call those kind of shields, but, but gigantic. Okay, now, uh, uh, when we flip it over, is the backside of the box. Uh, and the backside of the box says, Explore subterranean labyrinths. Uh, plunder hordes of treasure. Uh, battle uh, legendary droolers. And then it says... Uh, the Droolers and Dungahees starter set is your gateway to an action-packed stories of imagination. The box contains the essential rules of the game, plus everything you need to play, heroic characters, and a, uh, a journey, an adventure, in worlds of fantasy. And it says game components. It comes with a 64-page adventure book with everything the DM needs to get started. The Dungahees Master, the 32-page rulebook for playing characters at levels 1 through 5, uh, five pre-generated characters, each with a character sheet and supporting reference materials, and six game dice. I think we do have a 20-sided die. 
Uh, now, when you're ready for even more, expand your adventures with the 5th edition Player's Handbook, uh, 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 Dungey's Master's Guide, and Drooler's Manual. Then it has a being, a drooling being on there, which uh, it seems to be a giant version of like uh, like one of those hairless, uh, uh, like, uh, I don't know, what are those usually dogs that are hairless? Or a naked mole rat. I'd say probably like a giant naked mole rat. Uh, though it does have some material in its, uh, but it's standing on two legs and yawning, saying, huh, I think I'm going to go to sleep now. Uh, below that, it has some details from maps from the game. Then it has the box that I'm holding in my hand, and then uh, a nice spread of like the materials inside. Let's see what these credits say. It has a website. Uh, suggest, I wonder if I paid $10 or $5 for this. It suggests a retail price in 1999. Uh, oh, yeah, Wizards of the Coast. It used to be, used to be it, it, was, it was a different company. Uh, and I don't like. I don't want to talk about the company or the people behind it, just because I don't want to um, look like I'm making light of it or anything. So, uh, you know, you could do all that research. Uh, okay. So when I open the top of the box, the first thing I see is the dice, which we'll have uh, something to talk about right away. Uh, then there's the, the adventure. It looks like Lost Mind of P H A N D E L V E R. Oh, and the characters, oh, this is interesting, cool. Like, uh, so this is, gives us some good descriptions here. Uh, this is, but it's f- fan, P-H-S-F, right? Fand, Elver, Fandelver, Lost Mind of Fandelver. And behind that is all of the art from the cover and the sides of the box combined. So you have uh, the drooling turtle, who's even bigger, because you can see his shell, because you can see the turtle's shell in this picture. They seem to be in some sort of uh, uh, place with, like, an older place that's a little run down. I see some pillars. Uh, the turtle's actually, one of the turtle's paws is on a pillar. There looks to be a ton of treasure, maybe a waterfall in the back left. Uh, and then the characters. So, so we have the dwarven character. We have the knight. uh blocking the drool what looks to be mist from there also seems to be some sort of uh, magical casting going on of a sh- drool shield uh, between one of the other two characters from the other side of the box uh, and it seems like the one character with the flowing robes is not necessarily floating in the air but maybe standing on some stairs uh, so I'm, I opened the uh, dice. I did want to. So these dice have um, the color. They're colored in. I remember I got AD and D probably for a, a, a birthday present one year because it, mostly I was obsessed with the storytelling and the art of it, uh, and I never really got to play a lot of D and D. But I do remember when I got my dice that you're supposed to color the dice in with a crayon. And then wipe it off with a tissue, which I didn't understand. Uh, like somehow my brain, and I think my cousin, the same one I like showed me or, or kind of said, this is why I do it. I said, no, 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 I don't want to do that with my dice. Uh, it just makes them easier to read. 
Uh, but these dice seem to be painted. So it looks like we have a 12-sided die. Uh, um, does it have a zero? Would it be? No, because then there's a eight-sided, which would be a nine-sided die because it has a zero. Oh, no, this might have more than that because it has a nine. It also has, okay, that's how you tell the six from the nine, eh? So I guess this is a ten-sided diamond die. Uh, then we have a six-sided die. All my dice are, are um, a blue, black, uh, kind of shimmering, uh, like almost like a faux obsidian. I don't know. They seem to be made to be painted that way. Yeah, then we have another diamond dice that's eight-sided, like four on each end of the diamond. Um uh, yeah, with the markings, you know, which the six is up or down. Yeah, then we have a triangle die, which I okay. Oh no, I guess it's uh, a four-sided die. So whatever's pointing up, you have one, two, three, or four. But you can read it from all sides of the pyramid. Pyramid die. And then oh, the famous twenty-sided die that everyone talks about or jokes about. Uh, it really cool in this light. It really. Uh, it has good reflection. I know uh, listeners have sent me dice in the past. And then, uh, so in the rest of the box is the uh, Lost Mind of uh, Fandelver, which is the thickest and heaviest thing. Uh, then is the Starter Set Rule Book. Uh, uh, starter Set Rule Book has, is a close up of the, uh, the same art from the box. Ian from the cover of The Lost Mind of Vindelver. And then are some uh, stat sheets, uh, including the ones, uh, oh, they don't have names, but including the pre-made ones, uh, which I guess we'll read through at some point. That'll be fun. And it doesn't look like they have any uh, blank ones, which I know uh, is always fun. Making your character usually takes up the whole time of, like, uh, so that's like another thing of why you got to really commit to playing the game. Yeah, but since I have the uh, the uh, characters in my hand, so the characters don't have a name. I was thinking before I record this, I was like, think of a character name real fast, uh, Scoots. And my brain said Dirk Bath Salts. Uh, and they said, it's a little on the nose, uh, but I do like it. So so let's see. Let's just read through this. This character, character is a Cleric 1. That's a class and level. It's a soldier. It's a hill dwarf, and it's neutral good. And it has a, a 14 in strength plus 2, uh, 8 in dexterity minus 1, a 15 in constitution plus 2, a 10 in intelligence. I think uh, it thinks this uh, dwarf is less dexterity. is lower than its intelligence, but... Wise, though, so not super intelligent, but wisdom is at 16 plus 3. It's his strongest characteristic, uh, and its charisma is a 12 plus 1. It has a 13 in passive wisdom, and again, I don't really know a lot about this stuff. It has no inspiration, plus 2 proficiency bonus, uh, and then its saving throws are... Uh, Oh, that's what I just listed. So I guess those numbers, oh, no, no, that's not true. Uh, its saving throws are plus two for strength, minus one for dexterity, plus two for constitution, plus zero for intelligence, plus five for wisdom. 
and plus three for charisma. And then also some other things it has. In acrobatics, it's a negative one. Animal handling, that's a part of wisdom, uh, plus three. Maybe there's, oh, these are skills uh, that they've learned. Arcana, uh, zero. Athletics, plus four. That takes strength. Uh, Deception, oh dear. Uh, What kind of neutral good, but it's uh, plus one. History, plus zero. Insight, though, that's due to wisdom, plus three. Intimidation, Oh, because of the charisma, huh? Like, this is a charismatic character, plus three. Investigation, plus zero. Medicine, plus five. Nature, plus zero. Perception, plus three. Performance, uh, plus one. uh, What happens if you have performance anxiety? Is that negative? ain't even talking about that. I'm talking about, like, in front of a crowd. Persuasion, plus one. Religion, plus two. Slate of hand, minus one. Stealth, minus one, plus a star. And uh, getting by, plus three. Uh, other proficiencies in languages, all armor, shields, all simple stuff. Uh, 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 things for chopping, hammers, uh, hammers, uh, playing cards, mason tools, and ve- land vehicles. Uh, speaks common and dwarfage. Stone cunning. Uh, whenever you make an intelligence uh, check related to the origin of stonework, uh, you are considered proficient in a history skill and add double your proficiency bonus to the check instead of your normal proficiency bonus. So this dwarf knows stone. 18 armor class, minus one initiative, speed is 25 feet. Uh, its drool points are 11 it's a uh, drool dice is 1d8. Uh, let's see what it's currently carrying. A hammer of uh, uh, what is it good for, which is a plus four. And uh, and then it does a 1d8 plus two. Uh, and then also has a chopper choppy, which is a plus four. Uh, 1d6, though, plus two. It can also throw that... Uh, Choppy choppy poo. Like if you wanted to, like there's a, those bars now where you throw them up to 20 feet or up to 60 feet uh, with disadvantage on the atten- on the, uh, the roll. Can trips, uh, you know, light, sacred flame, thum- thum- some kind of like metallurgy, but thaminurgy and cast them at will. Descriptions are found in the rule book. Uh, Oh, this oh, because it's a cleric. It has uh, plus two first level spell slots. Uh, you could prepare four first level spells to make available for you. Uh, choosing from the cleric spell list in the rule book. In addition, you always have two domain spells prepared: bless and cure. Equipment: uh, chainmail. Uh, but that dis- that is what's bad on dis- dexterity. Shield, hammer, uh, two of the cutty poos, uh, holy symbol, a backpack, a crowbar, a hammer, ten pittens, uh, ten torches, a tinderbox, uh, ten days of rations, water skin, fifty feet of rope, mason tools, uh, a uh, pen uh, pen thing, a tr- a deck of playing cards, common clothes, pouch, and a rank insignia of a sergeant. 
personality traits. I'm always polite and respectful. Also, I trust. I don't trust my gut feelings, so I wait for others to act. Ideals, respect. People deserve to be treated with dignity and courtesy. Wow, we're in the same ballpark here. Uh, Bonds, three cousins, uh, Gundren, Thardin, and Nundro, Rockseeker, who are my friends and cherished clan members, who are my friends and cherished family members. I secretly wonder whether the gods care about mortal fairs at all. That seems to be something that comes up in D&D, like uh, uh, spellcasting ability. Wisdom is a spellcasting ability for your spells. Uh, disciple of life. Uh, uh, so, see, so yeah, I don't want to read everything word for word out of here. Uh, oh, wow. There's also a whole back page I didn't realize. Uh, uh, so, really, a lot of details. And these other characters, let me just run through. And uh, ooh, the next person's a noble human, lawful neutral. Uh, what do they do? Like, what's their thing, though? Oh, fighter one. A very strong, 16 plus 3, not much dexterity. Constitution's high, 15 plus 2. Not, this isn't a smart group, 11 plus 0, but wise, 13 plus 1. And charismatic, uh, 14 plus 2. Let's see, this person's got a plus 5 in athletics, uh, plus 3 in perception, plus 4 in perception or persuasion, plus 2 in performance. Uh, so this is like a not a super dexterity, so far, low dexterity, uh, high wisdom, high charisma. They have a speed of 30 feet, I don't know what that means, uh, 17 armor class, uh, they roll with a like an axe and a javelin, which they could throw thirty feet. They also have a chain mail. That's why they can't do anything. They have a second wind. They have a limited well of stamina. They can draw on if they need it. Uh, they can be defensive. Uh, thanks to their noble birth, people are position of privilege uh, inclined to think the best of you. Welcome in high society. So, uh, you know, noble, uh, personality, my flattery makes others feel wonderful, important. I don't like to get dirty though. And it wouldn't be caught in, uh, unsuitable accommodations. Responsibility is my ideal, uh, to protect the common people. Uh, roll with my ex, which is a family heirloom. And this person, uh, is a flaw. They have a hard time resisting the allure of wealth, especially gold. Looks like they're looking to restore some legacy. And next up is a Rogue One, Lightfoot Halfling. So they have very little strength, 8 minus 1, very high, real high dexterity, 16 plus 3. Constitution's 12 plus 1, Intelligence 13 plus 1, low wisdom. So this is like a kid, 10 plus 0. Uh, but again, high charisma, 16 plus 3, so a likable group, a very high, plus 7 in stealth, and plus 5 in sleight of hand, plus 5 in performance, look out, uh, plus 3 in investigation, and plus 5 in deception, and aerobatics, aer- 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 what do you call that? Aerobatics, uh, aerob- yeah, I think so. Uh, they can sneak, uh, 
14 armor class, 25 feet. Uh, personality, I don't have a plan, but I'm great at making things up as I go along. Loyal to my friends. Uh, Bonds, Quailene uh, Alderlead, my aunt, uh, has a farm in Fandalin, and I gave her, like I always give her cash. But also once was a member of the Red Brands. Uh, uh, they can speak thieves can't. Uh, they're lucky, brave, uh, nimble, naturally stealthy. Can talk to the, uh, like, uh, the seedy sailors and, and the such. So that's a rogue, uh, folk hero. What the heck? Yeah. Fighter one, human, lawful, good folk hero. I hope they're a, a folk singer. Very strong, 14 plus two, very dexterity, high dexterity. Uh, 16 plus 3. That's the same as our rogue. Uh, Constitution's high. This person's got everything. Constitution, uh, 15 plus 2. Not smart. Or, well, 11 plus 0. Wisdom, uh, 13 plus 1. Not likable, though. They're full hero, but their charisma's 9 minus 1. Let's see what they're good at. Animal handling, error. You know, their dexterity, good at history, plus two, perception, plus three, stealth, plus three, sleight of hand, plus three. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, they have uh, SWORD and a bow, leather leather armor. Uh, when I set to my, my mind to something, I follow through. Sincerity is my ideal. Bonds, one day Thunder Tree will be a prosperous town again, and a statue of me. This sounds a bit like Gaston. I mean, Gaston was Gaston's own folk hero. I'm convinced of the significance of my destiny and blind to my shortcomings. That's my flaw. Uh, they have rustic hospitality. Uh, since Oh, because they're folk hero, because they're common, and they can hide out among them. They also have a second wind. I'd like to know what the heck they did to have it be a folk hero. Uh, trying to see uh, background. Uh, from Thunder Tree, east of the city of Neverwinter, uh, but nearby Mount Hottenau erupted a while, 30 years ago. And they drifted from village to village. Uh, but they've been in uh, Neverwinter for the last few years as a porter. And it's clear to you and everyone around you that you're destined for much more. Well, they want to be a full hero, I guess. Well, good luck with that. This one's funny. At Wizard 1 and High, uh, high Elf, uh, are they high all the time? They're an acolyte, uh, chaotic good. And let's see, they're not strong. No offense, uh, 10 plus 0. Dexterity's pretty good, 15 plus 2. Constitution's 14 plus 2. Intelligence is Zapazoo, 16 plus 3. Wisdom, 12 plus 1. And Charisma is 8 minus 1. So they could probably hide in the background. Uh, 5 on Arcana, you know, that's magic type stuff. History and Insight, they're good. Plus 5 in Investigation. Plus 3 in Perception. Plus 5 in Religion. Uh, let's see. It can trips, uh, they know mage hand, pre pre pressed, pressed a digitation or something, frost ray, 
grasping poo, and they can cast them at will. They have two two first level spell spots, uh, four just like very similar. So they could pick out it there. Uh, they use polysyllabic words that convey the uh, impression of erudition or whatever. I can uh, also I spent so long in the temple that I have experience, uh, little experience dealing with people on a casual basis. Uh, knowledge, the path to power and self improvement is through knowledge. Uh, the tome I carry with me, they're writing their own biography, it turns out. Uh, and they want to uncover historical secrets. They can see in the dark for 60 feet. Uh, they don't need to sleep. They can just go into a meditative trance for four hours a day. Uh, they can't be charmed uh, or put to sleep. And they're a servant, a servant of the Oghama, Oghama, and... Uh, they can perform the rites of that. They could also probably stay there for free, yeah, visit the temple. Let's see. Uh, what else we need to know about them? Uh, yeah, they've been, that's all seeing God of knowledge. That, of course, the name I can't pronounce, so that's embarrassing. Yeah, they're chaotic good because their pursuit and acquisition of knowledge is for the benefit of all, and they shared freely. So that's a little bit about them. They're an elf, uh, which is an otherworldly grace, uh, living in the world, but not entirely part of it. Uh, so the rule book, let's just let's just run through some of the art. Oh, my goodness. Jackpot. Uh, as soon as you open up the rule book, uh, and I definitely remember this picture, there's a group, uh, maybe are, well, like different. There's two elves that are around a campfire. It definitely like a warrior type, a rogue type, uh, a halfling type, uh, somebody like a wizard, somebody like uh, the warriors are looking right at me, and a dwarf that's uh, sound asleep, uh, and they seem to be the wizard type. There's somebody with a staff, like with real fancy robes, they seem to be making a speech about something. And the rogue character seems to be warming their hands. Uh, then if we go even deeper in, uh, what shows like uh, when people are go- like dealing with the droolers. Uh, so we have uh, like uh, one uh, knight type character uh, dealing with two uh, like puppies that are kind of trying to drool. Uh, then... Uh, uh, some sort of elven, maybe more of a, um, with a little cat type of thing in there, uh, dealing with droolers and trying to distract the puppies with, uh, by playing fetch. Then on one side of the uh, painting is, a uh, some sort of spellcaster with something blue, kind of like Jedi robes on, and a dwar- dwarf. Dwarfs are very popular. This dwarf has, a uh, gigantic beard. Uh, chapter three opens with some art. Another dwarf. This dwarf has a, what is it? Beard. When you, uh, when you do that with your hair, not a ponytail, but, uh, you like, uh, braids, uh, braided beard. One, two, three, four, five braids. Uh, and they kind of seem like they're going down the stairs. Dwarfs in the front. Then another, uh, warrior type, uh, rogue or, uh, 
some other, whatever those dexterous things are, and then a caster in the back with, like, a glow stick. And he's real cool flowing white robes with a hood, which I like, uh, in, like, a leather, brown leather. So another kind of Star Wars-esque level character. Uh, there's also on some pages, like, little pieces, like there's one with, like, a lantern, a rope, uh, playing cards, and a sharpening tool, and maybe a map behind it. Chapter 4 does talk about spell casting, and we have a blue-fleshed creature in a blue or a gray-fleshed creature with blue, dark blue hair and a two- or three-tone blue robe. It casting a spell next to a kind of a giant old log and really working hard at it. Oh, I just saw one of the words I couldn't pronounce. Let me see. Let's see. Sleep is a first-level enchantment. Uh, casting time is one action, 90 feet. Uh, if co- components you need are V, S, and M. Pinch of fine sand, rose petals, or a cricket. The duration is one minute. The spell uh, sends people into magical slumber. Roll of 5d8, and the total is how many uh, hit points of uh, the droolers this spell can affect. Uh, creatures within 20 feet of a point you choose within range are affected, increasing order of their current points, ignoring uh, ones that are already sleeping. Starting with the uh, uh, being that has the lowest current points, each uh, one falls asleep until the spell ends. Oh, it only lasts one minute. Where's that predict designation or whatever? Probably in P. Yeah, here it is. Uh, it's a transmutation cantrip. Uh, I don't know if that's can- cantrip. Yeah, one, pre prestigation. Prestigation. A minor magical trick. The novice spellcasters you oh for practice. Uh, you can do one of these. Uh, you can create a sensory effect. Oh, this is pretty cool. Or an odd o- odor or musical notes. Light or snuff out a candle. Uh, clean or soil an object. And don't lo- This is, sounds like they're a blast to be around. Uh, clean or soil an object. Chill, warm, or flavor. That's what it says. Up to one cubic foot of non-living material for an hour. That'd be good if your kid uh, chewed their nails or something. Make a color, a small mark, or a symbol for an hour. Uh, create a non-magical trinket or illusionary, illusory image uh, that can fit in your hand and last till the end of your next turn. If you do this multiple times, you can have three of its non-instantaneous effects active at a time. And you can, can dis- dismiss such effects as an action. Okay, let's finish up with this guide to the lost mind of Fandelver. It's a 64 pages, so we don't have to get time to get into the weeds. We'll just dig some of the art. Oh, boy. Uh, so we got an overall map, uh, which shows uh, north, south, east, and west. And the west side is a, co- is a coast. Uh, and a coastal city never winter. And the high road runs north and south through Neverwinter. If you head south, uh, like on the high road, you reach Lelon, L-E-I-L-O-N. And then you head in between the mountains down to the M-E-R-E, 
Mare. Maybe another sea. Maybe there's, oh no, it seems like a swamp that the road runs along. Uh, also in the south are the Sword Mountains, the Cryptogarden Forest, K-R-Y-P-T-G-R-D-A-N, is behind the Sword Mountains. Looks pretty hard to get to. I think somebody was from Fandalin, Fan or maybe that's where the whole game takes place. Uh, there's Wind Echo Cave, Ice Spire Peak, Wervin Tor. These are all in like little foothills, uh, maybe. Old Owl Well. Good old Owl. I'd like to go there. Yeah, then if you go back up to Neverwinter, there's a river flowing through Neverwinter uh, that heads east uh, to Thunder Tree. Then there's a giant forest, Neverwinter Wood. Uh, so in the center of the map, but south, this is a hex map, uh, is Cragmaw Castle in the middle of Neverwinter Wood. Whatever the river is, uh, really spreads out. It, it looks like it comes from a couple different uh, mountains and hills. There's Agatha's Lair and the Tribor Trail. Yeah, Agatha's Lair is on the edge, just in case you want to visit her. It's the eastern edge of Never, eastern south, southeastern edge of Neverwinter Wood. And Coneyberry is near Agatha. Then there's this, all the way on the east side of the map is the Star Metal Hills, the center east. In the central north are the crags. And then, like, uh, where Neverwinter Wood is split south of the crags by Mount Hottenau which came up uh, with somebody's history. And there's also an unnamed forest uh, to the west and north of Neverwinter Woods in the Mount Hottenau and the, the crags. And this is where the adventure begins. There's also the Cragmaw Hideout, uh, which is in some of the, like, uh, crag somewhere inside. There's briars, there's a bridge, there's an escarpment, there's a, r- a river running through it, indoor river. Or with uh, where water moves fast, there's rubble, there's the stalagmites, uh, there's uh, handmade steps in the stone, stone walls, and also supplies, which I don't want to give away. One square does each rule five feet. Uh, there are NPC party members, uh, uh, but they might only join the party for a short time during one of these adventures. Uh, then we have a nice painting of some mushrooms. And on the other side, we have some, uh, I don't know what kind of creatures they are, but uh, they're definitely droolers. Uh, they seem, uh, they're pointing at something. They're in some crags. The crags are carved with uh, uh, giant turtles. I oh, know, wait, there's one, two, three, four, five, and there's a sixth one up in uh, on a standing on a tree. So they seem to be looking around uh, to do something. Yeah, then we have a fan. We'll finish off with you could think you could dream, hopefully you dream about visiting Fandalin, Fandalin, because uh, it does look nice. Uh, from the south, the Miner's Trail leads in past a far, a few farms. Uh, there's one on the left, and then another one on the right, another house on the left. Uh, as it rolls into town, uh, there's a uh, Halia's house uh, is near one of the uh, farms. Then there's the Fandal and Miners Exchange. Uh, then there's a woodworking a woodworker right there. Not long after you get into town, Lenine's home is there. 
There's the Lion Shield Coster, which may be a, uh, I don't know, is that a, um, what do you call it? Like a place where you hang? Uh, Miner's Trail splits up into town. You could stay in the, there's Harbin Wester's house. You could go visit Harbin. There's the Elderly Farm. I think that's a farm to table restaurant. Uh, there's the Town Master's Hall, you know, if there's any official business. Uh, to the on the west side of town is the town green. There's the elder mass orchard. Holy cow! If you're there in apple season, do yourself a favor. Go to elder mass orchard. Uh, do some apple picking and then follow it up. Uh, Sister Gracali's house is there. And there's also a shrine of luck. You really want to just visit that. Uh, there's also a smithy on that side of town and kind of the northern uh, central town. And the Tribor Trail heads out out of out of there, past a few more farms. There's also Barthens Provisions, which is like uh, they have these like gobstoppers there, or whatever you call them, mouth, whatever those called, mouth, uh, whatever, some, some candy to suck on. A great place. And Barthen actually lives behind the shop. Uh, there's a Stonehill Inn, which is a nice place to uh, uh, crash. Uh, but if you have time, make sure to go over to Sleeping Giant. Uh, that's where all the locals hang out. And, of course, looking over the town is uh, Trans Tresendar Manor, where the, uh, I don't know, where the rich people live, I think. And, I mean, there's a lot more adventure just in this kit. So it's like uh, if you see it on sale, uh, you know, definitely do it. Like Then you could get into AD&D. I did not get a chance to talk about Dragonlance, what I have talked about on the show before, but I have actually been reading, because uh, uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman are just, uh, I don't know, those novels just meant a lot to me when I was in, uh, like, 8th uh, grade, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, and I may, may have reread them, like, once or twice, uh, including, like, in my 30s, uh, when I was going through a really hard time. And they offer me the same escape I had when I was in my angsty youth. Uh, and they just read, I don't know if I reread them, but uh, the la- two of the last three uh, Dragonlance novels they published, uh, which were kind of as, uh, I think they, were, they, they included the original characters, uh, uh, but like what they were doing in between the main three books. So that's just a little bit about me and D&D and uh, a little uh, box opening. Uh, Get you in the fantasy mood. Uh, Thanks.